Hey, it's Jose Galison. This is No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. You can also find me on all the major audio podcatchers and on Odyssey as well. Today, my guest is LB Muniz. Uh, this right now is a private live stream for my uh, patrons, for those who are interested. Um, and this will not go up for about a week-ish, roughly, depending on how I end up you know, working it out, but usually around that, that amount of time uh, before it goes up, for the pat- uh, goes up publicly. So in the meantime, if you want to be part of the live streams or if you want to be uh be i'm having a brain fart or if you want to be or you want to see the episode before it goes public you'll have to be a patron my patron is only two bucks a month um and that's that'll get you access to the live stream and all the episodes uh there are different levels after that the highest being a 20 dollar level which is for sponsors uh and i have for those what i do is essentially read them off they're my sponsors so you know as such uh so one of my sponsors cd mcray of the whiskey and tea podcast that's a good podcast i've been on before jermaine vincent he doesn't really have anything to uh to put out there but he's the shit at space cat 2k who i'm gonna be having coming on my show soon i still need to hit him up for a date um he because my ten dollar level that allows you to uh curate an episode within reason uh, like if you're trying to get me to do something I have no interest in talking about, we're not going to do it. Uh, but he's coming on and we're probably going to talk about like agorism versus session. And although I don't really necessarily think it's a versus thing, but we'll, we'll talk about it then. Uh, I also have Jacob Winograd of the Daniel three biblical anarchy podcast. Uh, and if anyone wants to be part of that patron, the patron is patreon.com. So no way Jose 2020. Uh, now me and tower gang are becoming more official. We're more of a click. So I'm going to start plugging them more often. So we have coming up Tuesday, the 21st, we have Crip Daddy, who is a literally a crippled comedian, and he's fucking hilarious. Uh, you should go check him out. Um, then on the 30th, we have Dave Smith coming back. And so that'll be going to be episode 50. It'll be New Year's uh, week. So it'll be uh, it'll be a good year in review. Uh, and it'll be a fun one. Um, who what else we got? And then we have uh, then fucking uh, Clint doesn't have anything for uh, – I'm going to bring for it. Who am I thinking? Reed. Reed has coming up on the 18th. He has Maria Farner, an Epstein victim. Uh, so that'll be a really interesting one. Um, you know, we'll, we're probably going to start getting Mossad coming after the homies. So that'll be interesting. Uh, as always, go check out Top Lobster, toplobster.com. Uh, use Jose at checkout for 10% off. Uh, recently, we have me and all the Tower Gang homies are kind of you know working together a little bit more. We're partnered with Top Lobster. So you'll see if you go to our site. There's a lot more of our stuff, a lot more uh, hyperlinks to go to the, our content, stuff like that. So support Top Lobster, support me, support uh, you know Tower Gang, all that good shit. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and bring in LB. What's up, dude? Jose, how we doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Do I look casual? I'm going for I'm going for hanging out in a hotel because that's what my life is. You do look so. very casual. <laughs> how, how, how's everything been for you? You've been kind of making the rounds lately. It's been a, I'm. I made a round. It was yeah. pretty fun. Um, you know, I have to say, I bet you if I wrote an article that was going after the quote unquote post libertarians, I feel like I would have gotten on a few more shows. But at the at the same time, I got on the right shows and I and I wrote the right message. More importantly, so you I'm, say I'm that, very, but I don't you know necessarily agree. I think yeah, people say shit like that, and but. I, because people always make like grifting accusations or whatever. Because it'd be like, if I hop yeah. on this, this, whatever, this. But I actually think to some extent there's something to the low time preference uh, approach, which you clearly have had with your show. You definitely just kind of, you know, slow and slow, just kind of put out your content, good content. I'm not saying anything wrong with your content, but you mm-hmm. definitely were not vying for attention. And so it was kind of this thing when people d- discovered it, there was like this wealth of things. I'm like, holy fuck. Uh, and also, you're not 
I feel like it's pretty obvious you're in, you're not jumping around from, I don't know, you're being intellectually honest essentially. And I feel like people can smell it when people aren't, um, like for example, the post-libertarian moment, I know we're, I'm not saying this individual was, uh, intellectually dishonest, but it came off as, is a bad faith thing. But I know the, uh, you, you probably know what I'm talking about. I mean, I don't even mind to say his name. I just don't really feel like it. Uh, but, the. Uh, God, going after Pete and all that shit with the uh, kind of uh, God, who's the Chris Cantwell kind of thing? Oh, you know the I'm guy talking from about New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, Justin. Yeah, I, li- I've, I like I've Justin. Taken shots. I've been taking yeah. shots at him in particular for sure. Yeah, that that um, came off to me as I don't know if I necessarily say bad. F- okay, okay, it was kind of bad faith. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be straight up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, it was either bad faith or ignorant. It was one of the two or a mixture. <laughs> It's also like a really intellectually late. It's an intellectually lazy argument is what it is, right? It's like this person is saying something that I don't like. I'm going to associate him with something else that I don't like. Therefore, this person is that person. And now everybody don't see. Look at me. I just figured this thing out. And and like and there's like I said, to me, it's just an intellectually dishonest argument. And maybe that and. If you're vying for attention, you know, like you said, we all kind of vie for attention in our, in our own way. This like podcasting is in one sense a hobby. It's another sense, something that you'd maybe like to have be a source of income or at the very least paying for itself. Right. Yes. The way somebody might like shoot pool and or, or play poker. And, you know, the idea is that you do it for the sake of it, but you're not necessarily making all of your money on it. And so, like, I have no issues. Like, I take shots. Right. Like I, I I play that game a little bit too. That's one of the reasons why we're talking is because I've been taking shots at agorism and there's um, no. And thank you. I, I, I only kid because, you know, you want more attention as a writer and, you know, and it's good to have, and it's good to have ambition, which is maybe the more important aspect and to try and harness that ambition in a healthy way. Um, And I almost, I almost didn't write the essay because I was like, Oh man, I don't want to, I don't want to get pigeonholed with this. And then I realized that you got it's kind of like to answer all of like, you know, like at the end of um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where what the answer to the existence is 42 or 24 or something like that. People, like who, that. <laughs> people who like that book and movie are going to hate me for butchering it right now, but I can't, I literally just can't remember. But it's, like, I don't remember exactly also, what it is too, but I remember it's like a number. <laughs> <laughs> the, but like another way you can answer, like, what's the purpose of existence? I was just thinking of this recently was like lean in, mm. like just, like, like lean into it, whatever, whatever it is. And if you, and if it turns out what you're leaning into sucks, like then, you know, then you make a move, but mm-hmm. lean into just kind of the comical, like the literal cosmic irony of existence sometimes. And, yeah. Or at least I've tried to do that a little bit more and be like, okay, you know what? I'm the guy who said moment, not movement. And, you know, I better explain what that means because I don't want this to, well, because frankly, I care about the ideas. Which is yeah. which is funny because some people have like approached you as hostile or, or approached me as hostile or like seen other people or like somebody like Pete getting approached uh, with hostility. It's like it, it's um well it's it's an affect of human nature to to a certain extent, but it's like I care about the ideas, like I care about human freedom and flourishing. It's the reason like my grandparents came to this country for specifically that. So the fact that you know maybe I say things like we're at the end of the, we might be at the end of the American experiment. We're post constant We're we are officially post constitutional order at this point. There is no con, there is no living, breathing constitution in the United States of America. It's been on life support and they pulled the plug last year. That doesn't mean yeah. I don't care about freedom. That means we have to figure out what to do now, which is 
which is the other aspect of what I've been doing with, with a lot of the work and what I'm trying to push into yeah. more is um, challenge the rigor of the thought in the movement. This, this movement that I've been a part of too. Yeah. Uh, I did want to back up a little bit on the post liberation thing. I did think some of the critiques, like, I don't know why, I guess I, this was just sticking in my head when you were talking about it. The one talking point I kept hearing over and over again around that period when it was really getting attacked is like, this is nothing new. This is nothing new. And it's kind of like, who the fuck ever said it was? nobody right 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 but that's but but what you're doing is you're like you're oh well i don't need to pay attention to this right it's a sick it's a signaling thing but it's like yeah nobody said with the exception of arcotropism right andrew's arcotropism framework is something new right i I think then you probably could find parallels in certain ways i'm sure if you digged but it is i i haven't heard anything like that yet before but yeah well i mean a lot of all the year decades and centuries of of philosophy and such maybe there's gotta be something but to me, it's pretty seems new, but yes. Correct. Well, what he does is he uses a framework that we're all familiar with within mm-hmm. vis-a-vis like uh, praxeology and the Austrian school. And he uses that to expound to expound on his ideas because you're you're completely correct, right? Historically speaking, I mean Nietzsche's whole thing was the will to, or one of his many things was the will to power, right? So this idea of an- analyzing power and how it operates has been was was something the Marxists did as well, right? Every most schools of thought have some way of conceptualizing what power is, how it operates. I think Andrew's, I think Andrew's framework is really interesting. Um, I, I, I look forward to, you know, the more he develops it, but what I've seen is certainly helpful enough to like answer some more immediate questions about political, about specifically political strategy. Right. Um, uh, but, but yeah, but you're right. You're definitely right that other people have spoken about power throughout human history. And one thing I try to do uh, like when I was on King Pilled, and Andrew asked, like, he's like, what makes what makes like people like him and maybe myself and Matt Erickson different from some of the other people? And I kind of flippantly as kind of a joke, but but it's, but, you know, because it was accurate is say like, well, we're just we're well read and we have a longer time view of history. And I think that and I think that's something I notice about people right away is what like is what did history begin the day you were born born? How far back does history go for you? And I have. I don't think everybody has to have a time frame of history that goes back to, you know, before Socrates. That's not what I'm saying, right? I don't I don't suffer under an egalitarian delusion. My point would be to say like, okay, well, hey, look, I'm taking this time frame. Maybe your time frame that's talking about the last 50 years could use some could could benefit from some ancient knowledge reapplied to today. And there's and that and you're and that's and you know what? The critics are exactly right because that is nothing new. That's the basic thing you're supposed to do. Is, and any kind of uh, intellectually honest, healthy movement would have that. One of the reasons why I've said one of the reasons why it's also been met with it is because there's is because there's a political consequence to it currently, which is going to trace along another conversation you wanted to have. So let me just yeah. take the time to say, right, without the LPMC, Piquinona's questioning anarchy is just an interesting thing that's happening. And, and mm-hmm. that's a testament to what the LPMC has has built. Right. And there's just some of us who are now saying like, yeah, this isn't if we want to do political things as libertarians, I, my position is I, I am very comfortable saying it now. I don't think the LP is the avenue for that. I think the LPMC has the infrastructure to do it, but I don't see I don't see the point in taking over a political party just to then run people for office. I think I think um, and a political party that that only gives you. That only gives you name recognition of a loser. 
Mm. And, 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 you know, we can get it. And like, literally for me, it was because they bear my name. I'm a libertarian. So I'm going to join the libertarian party. So I get that. Like, I understand that. So that's my position. I'm happy to, we, we, I'm sure that's not the topic of our conversation, but oh no, no, it, I was going to, but, but it traces, it, it touches on the whole question of politics versus no politics. Yeah, no, we'll get into that. Cause I just, I legit just want to have a critique. I have my own critiques of agorism. I was going to use as a basic structure, your article, uh, cause you kind of had five, uh, one second. Was it five? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five. Five points in yours, and they are similar points that kind of come up when it comes to agorism. And you are also mirroring it off of Brandon Aragon's Aragon Aragorn. I don't fucking know. Uh, his last. Uh, uh, yeah, something like that. You were basing off of his article on the Agorist Nexus, which is actually a great site for anyone who wants to check it out. Um, I don't necessarily have any ill will against Brandon. Um, I guess that'd be a good place to start so people understand the context because it is. It is kind of funny, uh, the whole, all of the, the, what unfolded from your, your article, but it, it also does make for a good jumping off point for a serious discussion aside from the, uh, sure. silly Twitter drama, but there is something funny to the silly Twitter drama. And I do think it not necessarily that I want to, I, I, I don't really know. I didn't really, I'll be honest. I didn't read any of their fucking articles. We, we talked about this before, uh, but for people wa watching, uh, later, I didn't read it. I opened it. It was fucking way too long and like i'm not a normal article reader i saw lb's and uh because i was trying to read up before i went into this lb's was a, a reasonable length for an article like what in my opinion his and then the, the some of the response with jeremiah's were stupid fucking long i don't know you can i mean whatever you can say about that what you want but like i'm sorry i have books to read podcasts to listen to i don't give a shit about your fucking article not you specifically that there is something to I mean, well, whatever. You said I mean, that to me before, audience. right? You're like, yeah, dude, I'm not going to read everything. You're, I'm like, yeah, it's cool, man. We can still be homies. Like, I don't expect my, I like to the people who do. It means it. It really means the world to me. Mm -hmm. If you sit, if when you're taking your morning shit, you open up and you read the email that's there from binawake.com. Uh, it really means the world to me when you do that. Um, and I and I and I am trying. And when I do my best writing, it is something that you can read on the toilet in the morning because that's yeah. what we're all doing. Uh, it's, and, it, and I kind of, you know, I kind of, it, it's kind of comical. Yes. I touch on serious issues though. Yes. Right. But I've tried to make it consumable and I would argue, frankly, that's what a good writer does. That's what somebody who's interested in, this is the way I view it, right? Like, I, like people trading their time to read something that I wrote because they think it's going to bring them insight into the world is a huge responsibility to bear. Right. And like, and even even with the modicum of increase that I've had in, in, in attention, right. And in, in the new subscribers is like, has reinforced that for me. And I don't, I mean, I don't even have 500 followers on Twitter. So like, it, like this is, it is something that I take seriously, even though I'll be playful with it at times yeah. when it's, when it's required. And one of those things is making sure that you can put something together that somebody can consume, whether it's an hour, whether it's a well-produced hour podcast, like I do, whether it's coming on a show like this, or whether it's writing, which is kind of like, which is for me kind of the, that's like the, well, that's, that's the working out, right? Like doing the writing is the working out that like helps your mind get better, more agile and be able to like formulate better arguments. So, you know, it, there, you can critique people for not reading this is, and this, frankly, this frankly is at the heart of the divide. And this frankly is and why there's a difference between, you know, myself and other writers and, and producers in the space is. I don't blame you for the fact that you don't want to read my article. I blame me because if you don't want to read my article, that means I didn't do a good enough job. Not that you're an idiot for not reading. 
Yeah. Like, and, and on top it, of that, there's people consume uh, like like during the lockdowns, I did a lot more article reading because I had way more mm-hmm. time in my hands. But now I pretty much only do books or podcasts because I don't have gen. I mean, I very rarely read an article. It has to really catch my attention. That's just me personally. Everyone consumes their media differently. I'm generally like I like podcasts because I can do it while I'm doing shit. And I like audiobooks books. I can listen to it while I'm doing shit. And, and like if I'm going to actually sit down and read for me, I guess I'm more old school and I like a book book. But but. Mm. Or a short article, depending on what it is. So, like, a long article that, like, basically you throw me out. But I'm sure it's different for everyone. I mean, that's just me, personally. I've written a few articles myself. I know how it is when an article gets away from you and gets long, and you're like... But at the same time, you kind of find yourself, like... You almost are, like, married to your work to some extent. So you're like, I should edit this. But you're like, but, God, it's so good. But you know (laughs) I've struggled with, and I've struggled with that. And anybody, you know, anybody who does something creative struggles with that, right? It's like you can't, um, and 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 that's just where again you have to. It's for me, it's about improving, right? So like I've always been a decent writer, and I and I, I like I kind of joked about when I started the project I was like, you know, college might be the worst thing for my writing career, and and I think it was, not because I not because of, I because I definitely read some good books. I learned from some interesting people who, whom I respect um, and I'm thankful for their tutelage moreover. Um, but like this, but they're twofold. One, the, the length, right? This idea that I have to put together a 10 page, I have to put together a 10 page article to make the best kind of argument is not without its purpose, but outmoded, right? And I was, you know, I was, I was doing an undergrad in philosophy. So like, of course that's, of course that's part of it. But the second aspect of like, of being so f- afraid of not per- putting together the perfect article that you basically it's like for me at least I procrastinate do you know spend stay up the whole night putting together the article on like Adderall and uh, uh, Adderall and caffeine and nicotine right like and just like putting together something that's pretty good at the last minute but like because I didn't want to go through an editing process or something like that I wouldn't I would wait to the last minute to put something together right so it's like and whereas, and you know, not to say that I wasn't also just a hard-headed young twenty-year-old who was, you know, who was figuring his stuff out. But what I like to say, what I've, what I like to say is that I replaced the idea of consi- perfection with consistency. So now, when I write, like, <laughs> like the critiques of the agorism article that I wrote, some of them were like, "Oh, he made mis- he, he misspelled stuff." It's like, yeah, dude, I ripped us. I. I bought a pack of cigarettes for the first time in years. I ripped one, was buzzing on nicotine, and I just decided to have some fun writing this article. So yes, I'm sorry. I don't have a proofreader. Sometimes I can't catch my own mistakes. But like yeah. that, you know, like that's I I I don't let that stuff bother me because, you know, because when I read my article on my show, I'm like, whoops, I made a I made a typo. Like, you know, yeah. it's part it's part of the deal. The same way in which like, you know, like if there's if there's a production issue like you can get you're going to get upset about it because you want your stream to be perfect you want your product to be as good as it can be but at the end of the day you still got to get the product out to the customer and the, what the customer wants is the consistency and they want the content yeah so that yeah that's no i agree to... i mean that, that's a good way to put it in in cons because like i mean everyone who watches my show knows it's not the highest production value but like i do care about it but at the same time i would rather not fret about the little things uh it's kind of like when it comes to public speaking like when i learned uh I have my little isms. Everyone has their own little isms when it comes to public speaking, like ums and shit like that. And I don't know if I took a public speaking class at one point, And I remember like the first, uh, there was a couple that I really bombed because I was so focused on not fucking up. 
Whereas, mm. or like not doing the ums, not doing it. But you just kind of come to a point where you're like, it's, it's like if I just say fuck it and just do it. And if I say an um, whatever, like just move on, like don't even notice doing it. And then it, in a weird way, I feel like that actually makes you better because you're like, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's just like a, it's kind of almost kind of comes with school. I always said the best way to like, you know, learn or best way when it comes to like tests, like say you're in school is like uh, to like study or give a fuck enough to study, but don't give a f- fuck when the day comes, because if you care, it'll fuck you up. And that's kind of the same way when it comes to like public speaking or even mm-hmm. writing. Uh, if you focus too much on the little shit, like you, you got to put in the work in, you do have to put in the work. But at the same time, you also can't focus too much on the shit that will fuck you up. Cause then you'll get just get caught up in your head. You're, you're going to, I don't know. It's just not a good place to be. I mean, I'm sure that applies for a writer, you know, public speaker, you know, school, whatever. So um, it applies for everything really. I yeah. mean, the, yeah. uh, you know, when you get a new job and you're trying to figure everything out and you just kind of realize you just kind of got to, you kind of got to, you, you got to, you got to fake it till you make it. Yeah. There is an element of that in everything that you do. And, um, I don't know that I would say I've made it, but, <laughs> uh, but I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm faking it necessarily. Yeah. Um, the, I, but like, you know, and, and you could say like, Oh yeah, whatever podcasters just talking about how to get better at pods. Like, well, there is something to be said for the fact that being an effective speaker is like one of the things that you should do in life is become as good of a speaker as you can. You, you're mm-hmm. probably not going to be the best, right? Very, very few people are going to be at a Barack Obama level of rhetoric intonation like all like just vocal control there is a lot that goes into giving a good speech or like having good diction that you learn over a lifetime right and i just happen to like my background isn't really sports heavy it's performing arts heavy so like i was on stage and so i kind of got good at using a microphone at a young age i had a band so like you know i knew how to use a microphone and recording software and that just turns into this one day and, and like and so just I just wanted to hit that point of like it might seem silly, but like public speaking is something that people should work on and is oh, and is, sure. you know, and to the criticism of everybody having a podcast, that's usually from somebody who isn't good at public speaking. You can yeah. that's 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 almost a truism because it's almost always someone who had a podcast and failed. <laughs> yeah. And like I or gave up, not failed. There's mm-hmm. no such thing as failing. You just keep going. But they yeah. gave up at some point because they felt like they failed. Because they mm-hmm. didn't get whatever their metric for success was. So, True. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, but yeah, let's. Uh, we're getting off topic, which is which is common when we've talked. We've. It's been a while since we've had a conversation together, but I know we. I was on your show way back when, but about uh, a year ago, if, almost. Yeah, I know it's been a minute. I've been wanting to have you on, but it, like I, we were saying, and before we start recording, it's always like looking for a topic. And I always knew, what do I want to talk to? L- I always kind of kept you in the back of my head. I'm like, I need something to talk to LB about. And when you went after this, I was like, this- all right, here we go. Here's a good conversation. Because I think I'm one of the few non-cunty agorists you could probably have this discussion with. Because uh, I was kind of talking before we went on this other little uh, rabbit trail. But I don't know. I have anything against Brandon Arrigan. Jeremiah, fuck that guy. I don't like him. I have no problem <laughs> saying that publicly. He's he's a fucking... He, I, I think he's not he's, a fan of you either. No, he's not. Have, have you seen that? Or has he said something? I haven't. He's, he, yeah, he addressed it. He because I because I in the tweet thread that I put out, <laughs> he was on there. Um, I I do want to give um a quick shout out and and um, and the reality czar's pod. Uh, they, yeah. I I was on their show yeah, like recently, cool. and they both yeah they both like agorism or at least the main guy does. And they you know and they were cool. We had a, we had an interesting talk. So yeah yeah um 
Yeah, just to just to <laughs> shout them out because they did claim it. They did claim fealty to agorism yeah. and weren't entire cunts. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> what what did Jeremiah say about me though? Do you um, remember or not? I mean, I guess this is I think, probably. I think it had for... to do with you. I think it had to with your very reasoned take about uh, on the Thaddeus Russell situation. Oh, from, from that was the whole reason year. we. That was the whole reason. My my take, yeah, my whole take was that like basically Thaddeus with all the the kid stuff was basically taking an egoist perspective, and I even said to to, uh, to Thaddeus at some point that age of consent is because everyone gets gets him shit for his age of consent thing, which I can get. Like it is weird that he focuses on it, but at the same time, I said something to Thaddeus once at some point where it's like, yeah, I don't think age of consent is technically a thing, but at the same point, like age of consent is that age at which I will not put a bullet in your head if you do it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you, and you as a father like, talking about your daughter, which <laughs> yeah, it was the like... context as well, which is just which is the like you extrapolate as I think I quote tweeted you and I said <laughs> you extrapolate from that point and you have civilization. Yeah, like I don't Full give stop. a shit if you're like, well, objectively speaking, there's no age of consent. I'm like, yeah, I agree. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Correct. Well, and and the important thing with that too is you know there's some like like somebody like Thaddeus Russell who is a trained academic. And is very like I'm I'm very comfortable exploring dangerous ideas. I have zero issues with it. It's not what I spend most of my time doing because I'm interested in producing a product that people like that people want to listen to. Right. So I don't I don't stick on the edge. I try to stay somewhere in in like a popular frame or, you know, maybe bring marginal ideas. I don't know. The point being, there is a place for very nuanced and like exploratory conversations about very difficult and sensitive topics. Hmm. Master's level classes, perhaps Twitter is not it. <laughs> I would say no. Um, yeah, so just, <laughs> just what everyone said when he was doing that. It was like, and I agreed. And, but then at the same time I talked to him, I, I don't know if I talked to him, but I know Clint had him on his show. They talked about, they actually brought up my tweet in that one. Of mm -hmm. like that point, and and Thaddeus was like, I 100% agree. So Thaddeus is just totally taking the egoist, postmodernist, whatever perspective of like, it's like, okay, yes, age of consent's not this thing, and I, 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 everyone gets mad about it, but it's like, show me an objective reasoning for age of consent. But at the same time, I'm an egoist. I don't give a shit. Like my yeah, point is we, like, why would we presume <laughs> that an objective category exists when there, when yeah. it, like when it, when it doesn't like just, just yeah. to the frame of conversation, which is the point that somebody like Thaddeus Russell is bringing to the conversation, a similar one that I do, by the way, from a scout, cause like, it, like yeah. there is a crossover between postmodernism and, and skepticism, right? Like yeah. postmodernism incorporates a lot of skepticism into its, into its school. Um, lest we get, lest we get too far down this rabbit hole, <laughs> I think this is, I think this is what happens when you have a group of people who are like really interested in ideas as libertarians tend to be, which is like, we're just going to pick this up and run. Right. And we've mm -hmm. seen different things like that. And like one recent one, the one that I talked about on Pete's show was the whole like bum, bum shooting up in, in a playground. Like, is that an acceptable, is, is it a violation of the nap to get rid of a bum yeah. shooting up heroin in a playground? I piss off some people with that one too, I actually, I actually took the position that I'm, I'm okay with it. Like <laughs> removing which a lot of people are with removing them. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, I oh, get it. Like you can make some like autistic argument about like, uh, like, but at some point we need to be reasonable and be like, okay, this is public property. And like, I mean, I, I don't know. I get it. We can be like, well, there's other options or whatever, but if we're in a situation in which there isn't, it's like, well, uh, okay. Well, I mean, I, I, we I mean it, we can be reasonable and understand that in a private society this would not be happening. 
So can we not treat this as if it was a private society and get the security to deal make with it? it? Not happen. <laughs> like, make it not happen. Like what the fuck? Or make it stop happening. Um, <laughs> like, it, and I get it. Is... They're not the greatest thing, but you know what? They've put me in this position where they're a monopoly and they're my only option. So. <laughs> well, this there's you know Nietzsche has this bit about the mor- the moralizers that I've written about at beenawake.com and I've and I've quoted from it and added some added some of my own interpretation to it, but like. He basically goes through this like very long and uh, long argument that is like you know the moral and I just wrote about moralizing and in group preferences. I did a, a my I, I'm actually really proud of the episode. I don't always say this about like the solo episodes I do, but the one I just did about getting to the bottom of uh, virtue signals was was pretty good. Um, and it traces to what I'm about to say, which is like Nietzsche talks about how the moralizers come forward and they always say that this is no 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 you don't understand the people in the past they've had it all wrong. I have it all right. I am the new. I am the new master of the age. I have all the answers to your questions. And what Nietzsche says is that invariably laughter overcomes the most ardent of moralizers. Like the person, the person who, because, because that person who's putting themselves up on a moral pedestal, that person can't stand laughter because laughter undermines, uh, undermines their entire uh, mode of being. Right. Like you can't be the moral authority and have people laugh at you because you can't laugh because well, because they're wrong and you can't laugh at because you can poke fun at it. Right. It's the it's the whole it's the very obvious trope now of all the world leaders taking private jets to go to to go to conferences about climate change. Mm-hmm. Right. They they just pretend that they just pretend that that's not hip, 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 uh, hypocritical and by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Right. They just don't even address it. And you would be in, in those circles. Right. Let's say that you were a comedian opening up for that bit. If you were to address it, it would kind of be in poor taste for the audience right it's the ricky gervais doing and doing uh doing an act for the people at home and not for the people sitting in the audience by you know by lambasting by lambasting some of the uh, pretension that exists in a place like hollywood so it's like so like these things exist these things have always existed and the whole point my point here is to say like this is why i think you have to laugh at yourself and like why i'll laugh at myself and be a little playful with things because if you take yourself too seriously you're going to get you're eventually going to get overcome by laughter and when we when like, you know, this little corner of Twitter tries to push, uh, tries to talk about whether or not whether or not a homeless person shooting up heroin in a park in, in a in a public park next to children, whether like we should worry about, you know, or whether it should be a question of whether or not they should stay there. Like that's crossing into the level of absurd. Like what like you're not pushing ideas to their natural conclusion. You're showing the absurdity to pushing any idea to its to to it to an absolute conclusion. Reductio ad absurdum, yeah. <laughs> because you can't reason like like they did at the scientific revolution, right? You, you can't reason like Descartes did because we understand that's not actually how the human mind works. It's like it's beautiful prose. It's really interesting. It's worth engaging with this time frame in history, but we know but you have to update the software. You can't just, yeah. you can't, you don't look at a Rene Descartes and you say like, oh, well, this is clear. Rationalism is clearly the only method by which we can, by which we can determine truth, which I would argue somebody like Konkin does um, in, throughout, throughout his method in general and why a certain yeah. type of rationalist brain gets very triggered when I take some pot shots and kind of like, you know, yeah. like I, I, I talk out of both sides of my mouth where I say, I'm just writing an article, but yeah, I'm clearly taking shots. Like, yeah. you know, either you can ha- handle that you know, to the points like, you know, I think we we got we mixed it up once in like a, a, a group chat about about like faith and like our differences of opinion on that. And I was yeah. like, well, here I've written about this, this, and this. And he's like, and you're like, 
dude, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read that. I'm like, fair, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like no big deal. Like just, I was, I'm only making the point that like this isn't something I'm just gonna change my mind on. Yeah. You might not change your mind on it currently. Maybe we'll come to a conclusion one day. But like, yeah. all right, cool, whatever, man. Like we'll just, we can talk about other things. Yeah, like, I, so, I, I so, think it. I think it's something, something you said in there. Uh, God, I forget what. I think there's a reason why maybe I'm a little bit more reasonable than some agorists. I think it's because my, like, in a sense, like, what undergirds my agorism or libertarianism is egoism. So, like, essentially, hmm. I'm coming yes. from this perspective of when I see something like, say, this homeless people in a park things, like, I feel like an agorist or a libertarian is, is going to, like, go, well, that's not principled. And for me, I, I, I start from the beginning point of, you know, what is to my benefit or, you know, and, and this isn't like in a selfish way. It's almost this Ayn Randian, you know, uh, type selfishness uh, or whatever, you know, like rational self-interest or whatever. That's kind of where egoism comes from. So if I'm in a situation where I see that, like I got to go, that's my starting point. And then I go from there and then I go, and if I realize that there's something off there, then I go, well, maybe I need to adjust my theory because yeah. it's like clearly – if my theory is okay with that, I'm either misinterpreting my theory or I need different theory. Because if your theory doesn't work in practice, and it's like a, one quote I used to like to use a lot is Cerner said, it was, uh, maybe, I don't know if he said exactly like this, but he's like, uh, you, your principles should serve you. You shouldn't serve your principles. So like, yeah. right, and right, like right. It, it's kind of the idea of if your principles aren't applicable, they're shit principles. <laughs> so you need you need to figure them out. Like, and there's I, there's probably I, yeah. a little bit of when did Sterner write again? Because you've talked about him a, a few times. I don't know what year. Okay, I think it was, think like it was the before 19th angles century. and shit like that. Yeah, it was, or, yeah. Um. Anyway, the point being, there's there's um maybe I I didn't want to like presume. That's why I was asking the time frame. But there's a little bit of like what what became known as American pragmatism in there too, mm. which is which can be like distilled into well, the truth is whatever works, right? Yeah. So like um. There, I, I think, and and again, to the point is of like what people have to like how you should to get by your day. Like, yeah, it's very pragmatic to just like, oh yeah, you know, this is what I believe and all that. You hit on a really good point though that I wanted to address, and I think it's I think you it's that like your egoism comes for you. Egoism comes before this idea of libertarianism or this idea yeah. of agorism, right? I say my my formulation is saying like the last thing I am is a libertarian because yeah. there are all these other things that make up one's identity. What I and and what I encourage people to do is to explore that because you probably do have other things about yourself beyond libertarianism. And when you when libertarianism is all you are, you're gonna re you're gonna re react to those kinds of uh, criticisms far far more easily than somebody who libertarianism isn't all that they are. And or at the very least, you're gonna like the cognitive dissonance is just gonna get triggered such that you're not gonna like you're not gonna be in a frame to understand what somebody else is saying. Because same here, like I, I consider skepticism my home. Right. Like that, mm. that philosophical basis. Right. And like if I was poking holes in egoism, we might have more words about something. Right. You might yeah. get a little more defensive or like have a little bit harder of a pushback on something. I don't I mean, I, I can't I generally I generally follow in that line of thought as well. So it's, you know, it's, it's maybe not one that I could poke into, um, yeah. uh, you know, maybe except to say it doesn't exist in an absolute sense. But I don't think that yeah. you would even say that. So yeah. let's let's stick with what I wrote and what people said and we can we can we can do something like that or whatever you yeah. want host we can discuss egoism some other time because ego is a fun one because it is one of those things where it's kind of like it's it's almost like a cheat like philosophy because it's like mm -hmm. you kind of can't prove me wrong because it's just like well like 
literally everything in my entire experience in this world starts from me. So it only makes sense to begin from there. And if you show me something that I'm wrong about, then I'm like, well, okay, well, I guess it's my self-interest to change there. And it's still well, egoism. It was, it was Parmenides <laughs> who said that the man, man is a measure of all things. Yeah. Right. And like, and like Plato tried to reconcile that or Socrates, Plato's Socrates, right? Because who we know of as Socrates is often ju just as much the, the works of Plato as it is like the, the utterances of Socrates himself, because we don't know much about the man. But like, you know, Plato Socrates uh, tried to create the forms as a way to reconcile that. Right. So we have these we have these perfect representations of the thing. And don't you see that this is why man isn't the measure of all things? I have always been interested in that subjectivity of existence and I think, and it, and, and it informs a lot of my work. Um, yeah. So like at, at a deeper philosophical level that I operate from. <laughs> yeah, that is uh that is a lot definitely of egoism. It is kind of funny. I was on another podcast the other day and I think I said to him as like the beauty of, of, of egoism is I'm never unprincipled. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like, it's, I mean, everything to some extent is for my self-interest. I and mean, if you tell me I'm wrong, I'm like, well, okay, whatever. Like I'll change it. I don't give a shit. Yeah, alternatively, <laughs> like we're all just still kind of these weird apes that have these technology things and this very sophisticated language. And if you put yourself and like, and if you pay close enough attention to humanity, you see that represented every single day. Um, here, here's a fun, here's a fun story on that. Cause it, this happened, this happened recently. I was talking, uh, I, was, I was hanging out with a couple of buddies and they were just comment. And one of my friends is like, I don't know, six, three, six, four. He's a, he's like a big guy, you know, he's, and he's, and he's gotten bigger. <laughs> Love you, buddy. If you're listening. Um, but you know, like, so he's like a big dude, well over six foot, big beard, and if you don't know him, I guess you might think that he looks a little intimidating, but he's just an autistic teddy bear. Like, yeah. um, he, he, and he's, and he's like one of the sweetest guys in the world. And what, what they were commenting on is like, dude, you know, it's so funny that anywhere we go, when we go out to, when we go out for drinks, people just approach him and they'll be like, Hey, what's up, man? I just mm -hmm. like, that's it. You know, like, no, like, like maybe, Oh, what's up, dude? Nice beard. Like, I like that. And they commented in particular that a lot of times, like a lot of times, like black guys would do it too. And it, like, like in particular, just like, yo man, what's up? What's up? I love your beard. And I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. It's cause he's the tallest guy in the room. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like dogs coming around to be like, Hey, are you cool? Like, can we be cool? All right. Cause if you're cool, then I'm just going to go be cool over here. Like no big deal, but you're the biggest person in the room. So I got to make sure that you're not a threat. These like behavioral, these behaviorisms like undergird all of our social existence. Um, and, and in some respects, you know, I think some respects like the intellectualism is just uh, the intellectualism is just kind of like is sometimes not all the time, obviously, because I enjoy this stuff. But like it's kind of like sugar. It's kind of like icing at times um, or or maybe just better packaging for for, yeah, for 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 darker for a darker under like like, you know, like our like just the animalistic nature that is within us, even if we're so far removed from it. Yeah. You just said something that kind of sparked something to me, and I think it applies to what we're trying to get at here, but we keep going on rabbit trails, and I'm fine with that. This is always a fun when this happens, but uh, you mentioned like the tall thing, and I used in a previous uh, podcast I was like appearances on recently. So I think the guy said something about like not liking labels or something like that, and I go, mm. and I was like, okay, well, I mean, all that a label is is just a way to give a approximation of your belief set. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. I and mean, if there's a, a label that's apt for what you believe, it's cool to use it. But if you identify yourself by that and like you're, you know, dogmatic with it, that's a different story. Because I was like, I used the example of tall, and that's what sparked my memory. Because he was, it was like if you have a buddy who's like six five, and you're, and I'm like, dude, you're pretty tall, and he goes, I don't like labels, and you're like, well, 
okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but like, I feel like it's a pretty good descriptor of what you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, that's right. kind of how I see me with agorism is like, I, these are roughly kind of what I believe ish, but like, I'm not like tied to it. So like, mm-hmm. if I ever change my beliefs at any point, I'm not going to be like, Whoa, I'm not going to like, I, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm going to fight it. And I feel like maybe in a weird thing, I feel like it's actually kind of a lesson I learned from agorism because a weird, a large part of agorism. And, and you know, I, it's been a while since I've read uh, new Libertarian manifesto and agorist primer. So maybe I'm a little bit behind, but like, I do remember some of the lessons I got from it was it wasn't so much to be set in these dichotomies. Uh, and it was like, cause a big part of agorism is how like, it's not that you have to be the guy who goes, runs off in the woods and fucking, you know, becomes, you know, the, bear grills or whatever and you know hides away from you know everything it's supposed to be whatever you can handle whatever risk you're willing to take on like it's essentially different for everyone it's like essentially it it changed like for me agorism changed my thinking of theory and stuff like that from and especially like say public private like that type of thing from along the lines of going from a dichotomy to a spectrum and like so it is weird that there has been born out of this movement. So many people are so dogmatic and so religious. And cause I took that very line of thinking, especially like the public private, that's a very common thing with agorism because they're a big part of agorism is to try to, you know, not support, you know, corporations if you can, but it doesn't mean you're a bad agorist. If you do, it's just kind of, if you can, and it just seems weird that like out of this, like kind of reasonable line of thinking out was born dogmatism. And I have seen a lot of people in this line of thinking that is like one or the other. Like when it comes to like uh, different practices, I've said many times, I'm not a zero or a one. I have order of preferences. I just am of the opinion not engaging politically is probably the best. But now mm-hmm. I, I have no problem telling you other political practices I find to be more or less preferable. Like if I was yeah. to like like I think hoppy and like the hoppy and strategy is probably the next best strategy aside from agorism in my opinion entirely um right but so but i feel like there are some agorists that won't even admit that because like that's betraying Mm. their principles and it's like Mm -hmm. i i i I don't know i don't know if you have anything to go on that because i guess you do like to talk about like identity and stuff a lot and i guess maybe maybe it's because i my identity is more backed up in egoism than it is in agorism i don't know so well and that's kind of certainly just like i think what you just described is somebody reading something with an open mind and taking the best of it and, you know, taking the best of it and running with it as, as best you're able, right? Like these are the things that you picked up from reading it and somebody else picking up something from reading it uh, is different. Um, I, I, I do always like to say there's a difference between the philosopher and his followers, right? The thinker and what mm-hmm. comes after, right? There's a difference between Karl Marx writing in a, at a, in a specific historical period and Marxism, which, you know, over, which, you know, has lasted now what we now deal with the specter of Marx today, I would say, and like critical theory and other things like that. Um, and like, and the, you know, like there's correlations with progressivism, but only because of You're the time already frame. hitting I'm, on my biggest critique of agorism. <laughs> but go on. Oh, oh, am I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just delineating thought as, as it exists, you know, um, specific. So for, for me, right. So what I identify with agorism and I've talked about my paradox about the paradox of identity on your show before. Um, so I recognize that some, that there can be misunderstandings between people because we might define things differently. Right. And the part of what philosophy does Part of like what philosophy did 
at its inception, at least in the Western tradition, was try to reconcile different religious beliefs through the use of reason, right? So like it is in that spirit that I walk as well. Um, part, what, what stands out to agorism to me, right? Because you like, like I say, like you're taking what's good from it, you're maybe leaving behind what's bad. What stands out to me about agorism and always has is their very strict adherence to an anti-politic stance. Now, for mm. some people, that's like you was like, yeah, I'm not really going to run for office. Probably not going to help somebody run for office. Maybe I'll go vote if it's my buddy and it's in my town and it's not that I don't I don't want to presume your position. I'm just trying to say, like, you know, there there might be a, there might be a situation in which you would consider voting, but you're not you're not going to you're not you're not participating in the cults of American democracy. You don't want to you're not going to jump out your seat on Tuesday just because it's voting day. Um, it's like it's like that is very different from the people who are going to virtue signal and moralize and say that government is all slavery. And therefore, if you are not going to if, if you are not going if you are going to participate in any part of the political process, you are aiding and abetting slavery and you're and you believe in slavery, as the case may be very, very. And I just point out the obvious irony of this. This is the absurdity and like a moralizer who doesn't have anything underneath them. Right. It's when you can point out mm -hmm. the absurdity really quickly, namely like, OK, so just for the record, people. All of you who were inspired by Ron Paul in 2008 and 2012 that are now agorists, you are calling that man an immoral person. Like, I don't I don't pretend to be a Ron Paul acolyte. I have tremendous respect for the man. I think he deserves all the adulation in the world. But like, I just want to be very clear about that. If you got into politics in 2008 and 2012 because of Ron Paul and then you found and then you found agorism later afterwards, mm -hmm. it's like under the strictures of that system where we're voting, where participating in the electoral process is akin to supporting slavery and is therefore an immoral act. If that's what you're doing, then you're saying that if that's what you're going to claim, then you're going to say that Ron Paul is an immoral man yeah. by his actions, by what he spent yeah. his life doing. And, and yeah, that, making, and like that yeah. obvious dissonance, like disproves the whole anti-political stance from my perspective. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, this is why I don't make the moral argument. I think the moral mm -hmm. argument's fucking retarded. Honestly, I well, cannot that, wrap my like, head around the moral <laughs> argument. Because I think for some people, the moral argument is the center of it. Yeah. And that's, and which that's is, that's, I, find... I guess that's another big issue of where I break away from the, some of the other agorists. Cause I tried to wrap my head around the moral argument because people make the moral argument. And to me, the moral argument comes off as this, like we can't stand to just have anything. We have to have them. It's almost like they have to have the moral argument. It's like, why can't you just have the practical argument? Why do you have to have the moral argument? Like, because, all right, let's let's boil down voting to the very basic of what it is. Voting is the best example. Voting is essentially a, a coercive entity giving you a choice between two things. That's mm -hmm. all it is. Like, so at its at its very basic, the, the the like what I like to use typically is like if if fucking if someone pulled if a gunman pulled my wife and a stranger out of the, out of a crowd and put their gun uh, two guns to both their heads and says pick, like that's what voting is at its very core. It's a difference. It's a similar principle, sure. but different degree. And like, yeah. obviously, I would make the case that not voting is, you know, more advantageous. But I can totally construe voting situations in which I would vote. And I don't find that immoral. And anyone who's read Spooner would know this is the case. Spooner does a very articulate legal way of breaking this down completely. Like, like people are put in situations in which they think if I do this act, it will alleviate in some way the fucking yoke of oppression that is upon me. Now, they may or may not, that may or may not actually be the truth, but this is what they believe in the moment. 
And so I'm more of the I'm of the agorist mind of that. That's generally not the truth. There are probably situations in which it is the truth. Obviously, the the gunman bullet to the head situation that is the truth. I should pick my wife really fucking quick. <laughs> so like, because me going, I'm not going to vote here. Like, it's probably not going to work right. out well for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it's not going to work out well for you if he chooses the other woman, not your wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you get the idea. That's what voting is. Is so I don't understand how. For someone to say it's immoral is to say that situation I just gave is immoral. And I get it. It's a ridiculous and it's different than voting. But this is a reductio ad absurdum. Like, this is the very basic principle of what it is. And if you can say it's immoral for me to pick my wife in that situation, sure. But I, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I don't get how you fucking – you have the most, like, untenable moral structure I've ever heard of. So, like, I, I don't know how you get there from here. And so. And much like the elites going to a climate change summit in private jets or, you know, like celebrities taking private yachts or whatever, much in that way, like you have to completely ignore the obvious shortcomings of your argument or or yeah. you have to completely ignore. And again, this is of a specific strain, right, especially the people who adopt the moral framework. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it's illuminative to like to like where that divide probably occurs. Um but it's it's the same thing for the person who accepts them. like you have to then you're you're like you simultaneously will spend your days railing against the political system but you're also kind of pretending like it doesn't exist and it doesn't matter because all we need to do is build the agora which i have to say is a little ahistorical for my taste which is which i think bolsters my case that you know it's it's it just breeds a dogmatism in in the um it it breeds it breeds a dogmatism in the in amongst certain thinkers right because like the whole co- like I've walked in the Agora in Athens. Like it's not like a it's not like difficult to do. It's open to the public if you can make your if you can make your way to Athens. But like Agora literally just means open market, right? They were just these open air markets that existed in ancient Greece. Now, what Con- and and what I would argue is what Konkin and I and I and I might be arguing a little bit from ignorance here, but I don't think I'm far off, so please correct me where I'm wrong, is he's like effectively creating a utopia with the Agora. And I issue, I I don't I think I think arguing from any perspective of utopia is a mistake, right? And that is yeah, those are arguments left to people from a thousand years ago, and we got to get better than that, right? Like Plato, yeah. and and even in Plato's formulation of the utopia, it was either the place, depending on the pronunciation, it was like the place that can never exist, or like the perfect place. If you want to talk about the perfect place and then figure out how to get there from here, great. But if you're talking yeah. about the place that never exists, which is more the common phrasing of utopia, if you're talking about the place that can never exist, then I'm not interested in what your philosophy has to offer. If we can even, you know, I, I, I just don't, I don't see the use. If you're literally yeah. saying, well, we want to make a world that doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like this is kind of, I meant to bring this up before, but I, I guess my major critique of agorism is agorists. So it's kind of the idea of like, you know, the the difference you brought before between the actual philosopher and then the people who are the followers of said philosopher. Uh, and it may not necessarily always follow up with the philosophy because I don't I don't recall. I mean, I guess Konkin was sort of utopian, but sort of not like his view of history or the future was that essentially that as the Agora grows the uh, state will sort of sort of shrink and not even necessarily shrink. It may just be displaced, which is why I've liked um, Andrew's uh, conception of archotropism and how it kind of applies to like Newton's laws of thermo or of of whatever the fuck um, 
thermodynamics for physics, but the laws of thermodynamics or, yeah. or what? Yeah, he bases yeah, it off it, the laws of thermodynamics. Yeah. Which, because I can kind of apply that concept to how Konkin's concept of how that works and how as the Agora, as freedom grows, uh, it will just displace authority to somewhere else. And it will most likely become more concentrated. Sure. Um, I think over time, he kind of has this conception of power being one thing, and there's coercive and non-coercive power in there. And I think over time, the non-coercive power, but that's getting way too deep. But the point being is, I think as, you know, if, if there were, say magically, we were able to get everyone to go in like the Agora route, or even just, you know, not even that, just like, because I think incentives are kind of in place where we're at now. And I think things are kind of moving a certain way. You know, people are moving their incentives. If you value freedom, you move that way. And if you, if you value your fucking chains or whatever, you move that way. So I think whether you have the perfect praxis or not, I think things are naturally kind of moving one way or the other. So mm-hmm. I think essentially my point I'm getting at is I think as freedom increases, I think also authoritarianism will increase. Um, and I think, but it will just be in different places. Or yeah, more I like decentralized. the distinction because so. we have this like natural dichotomy between libertarian and authoritarian, and that mm-hmm. tends to be how we conceptualize things. Um, like tyranny is really the issue. Yeah. Like like author- Like if you're if you are in rehab, and the person in rehab is really authoritarian to you, like that's probably a good thing. Like it's gonna it it probably sucks in the short term for you because you know you're you're like you're you're in rehab and you know you're getting you're trying to get clean off of like uh, off of heroin, let's say. You know, like maybe, maybe, maybe that bum, maybe that bum that was hanging out in the park is now in a rehab center, and the person who runs is, is a little authoritarian, right? Maybe he makes that. Maybe he makes him wake up every day at six a.m. or else. Well, it turns Ralph out that, that says, actually, where will they go? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, it's like, but it turns out like that actually works. Some people need that kind of structure and routine, right? And like some, and some people can like implement it themselves, and some people need help. So like. I just it's just an interesting thing of like we use this word authority and it's tyranny is it's not that we're dealing with too much authority. We're dealing with tyranny of today mm. and to the specifics of like, I think you can still I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that you can't read Konkin and, and gain good insights from him. He was a man who wrote at a particular point in history. What I've been and what I made clear in the post libertarian moment to find is that this is really just we are as far away from the post World War Two order as we are from uh, not like in terms of years, but just in terms of major human events, like, like the end of world war two, we've had so many major world events since then, just, and just in the 21st century, we've had, let's see, nine 11. We've had, you know, uh, we like the ones that I've hit on much uh, really hard recently is like nine 11, Trump COVID. Like, like these are three, like for whatever else you might say about those things, those are three life defining moments for people. Like, whoops, like it's something it's one of those things that you'll have that conversation of where were you like, can like, I, I think I was I don't, I don't know exactly where I was, but I can remember being at work the day after Trump was elected when it all came out in 2016. I can remember getting home at like 10, I was maybe 10 years old um, or nine years old. I was in like fourth grade when when 9-11 happened. So like, you know, I can remember going home and like my my parents like watching the news and like seeing that happen again and again. I can remember where I was when I heard that the governor was shutting down my state, like these are, and, and clearly we're dealing with, and obviously not clearly to some people, but I'm, but what I'm trying to do is galvanize people who are willing to see what's going on. Is like, clearly we've entered into a completely new, a completely new situation. And that requires any serious thinker to make sure that their preconcept, their preconceived notions are correct. Um, and 
And I think, and you know what I, and specific again to the anti-politics stance, which is really what I take exception to. My argument isn't every agorist should run for office. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Especially as you said, a lot of the agorists are the problem. You know, like they're the problem with the philosophy because they can be really rude sometimes. Um, but it is the case. My 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 point is like, don't make people an enemy unnecessarily. If I'm here saying like, hey, like treat me with treat me with all the skepticism you want. Like, you know, if I'm saying like, Hey, maybe we should look at running people for office. And if somebody wants to do that, I'll, I'll help them. If I think they're good enough, like, you know, help with messaging and things like, that. like, you know, thinking about it, certainly talking about it. Um, like treat me with all the skepticism you want, but don't make me an enemy. And that's, mm. and that's what you do when you say I'm being immoral per se for considering running for office or not seeing an issue with voting or not seeing a problem with trying to take over, like, take over the governing structure of a city let's say yeah. and and make people's lives better as a consequence by the way i'm a libertarian i'm not saying that that's not a dangerous tact i'm saying the times call for it like mm. like it's like i don't think i don't think sitting on the sideline is go like you're like to the example of you know it to the example of a gunman holding up a gun and saying you know it's your wife or this other woman and that's voting it's like well i'm trying to figure out if we can take if i can get that gun from that guy in the metaphor, right? I'm trying to be the guy that pulls out the gun and instead of it being your wife, well, I, I, I shouldn't make, I shouldn't finish that thought, <laughs> but like rhetorically speaking, we might imagine a situation where, you know, you might, you might use something like that against somebody who say, you know, slaughtered millions of innocent civilians, mm. uh, who, who like, who, who made the, who passed the order governors to get That's what I'm saying. So governors yeah. to get <laughs> Yeah. It's so oh, funny. God. Sorry. Sorry. It's like so funny sometimes when you're like, I'm trying to like, there is an obvious, there's an, like an obvious embellishment that you do when you're trying to make a case and like use rhetoric. But then it's like, oh, but you know, if I say the wrong thing now, you can, you know, you can lose your entire livelihood. So, shit, you had something that completely threw me off. All right, we never even talked about how the whole drama of what even like started all of this. So I don't know if you want to well, give let's a do quick it. Let's, let's, the, let's uh, do it. Start the drama. We kept going a little drama. buddy trails, and we've kind of covered a lot of this other stuff already. But uh, I don't know if you want to go ahead and cover the quickly ish uh and i'm sure we're going to cover a couple of the rabbit trails in the meantime but of what precipitated this article that we're sort of discussing now sort of just pontificating on different stuff but i'm I, i'm i fucks with it i'm cool with it i like this <laughs> <laughs> well it's you know i think i you know it's this is the funny part about it is like I, i'm doing this and it's like fun and it's interesting but then there's there's so many other interesting things to talk about too right and that's yeah. um i think that's the mark of, of a good conversation at least yeah um but I'm I'm pulling up. I got in front of me like me sending you the the things. Uh, let's see. Here we go. So like so the guy Brandon who apparently runs the um. Oh, that's weird. My phone's being weird. Okay. So the guy Brandon who apparently runs or like is an editor in chief at the Agorist Nexus wrote a piece that basically was like trying to take to task the idea of trying of taking political power where he makes he makes like he makes the case that it's akin to slavery that it's um. Uh, that, that it's akin to slavery, that it's like a problem, you know, that you shouldn't do it. I'm, I, I feel bad right now, actually, that I'm not doing his article justice. So I'm going to have to pull it up in front of me because I want to be accurate. So he makes, here you go. So he talks about the arguments were joining the Nazis to change it from the inside. And that's like a problem spread. These are the, these are his headers, by the way, on his article, spreading ideas of liberty through politics. And he basically says that like, you shouldn't do that, even though Ron Paul did it rigged system where he points out that the presidential psych the presidential election is basically a rigged thing and so voting for president is kind of stupid as is running somebody from president 
He also makes a case in here that the Libertarian Party should be disbanded because it's bad for messaging purposes, and I would actually agree with him on that. Uh, what about Ron Paul's campaign? That's where he kind of addresses that point more. He talks about creating a more efficient tyranny. And that last section, excuse me, the quote, what I quoted was, argue, this is him speaking, arguing and trying to use their system has only made people believe that the government has a right to take away those rights in the first place. Also, failures politically and legally are even worse because they can use previous court cases to justify taking away your rights in verdicts later on. The only way to win is with mass noncompliance. This is true with COVID-1984 today. We can all fight it out in political arenas waiting for state courts to go to the government or we can choose to not comply. Um, but I, I, just, uh, I just liken this to leaving your flank undefended. And so I wrote yeah. a short article that people can go read, um, which got a little bit of play. And, and this, you know, this was like one of those things that got sent to me in a group chat. I'm like, this is stupid. And it's clearly a shot at like the, the Praxian, uh, like, like the Praxian mindset that's, be and, and, and the LPMC too, but like also the Praxians Re um, real quick while I'm still having on my head. I, the only thing I would take, take probably objection with to that last line he, you brought up that quoted, uh, I would change the only way to the best way. Cause that's kind of how I look at it. That, that would probably be the difference between my thinking and his thinking, because I don't take the position there's no merit in any other praxis whatsoever. I just take the the opinion that I think this has the most merit. So, because to I think make some sort of case that there's no benefits whatsoever is ignorant, uh, like of other practices and I also or practices. Uh, but and and even then, I know some people might make the case that you're even that you're either you know moving things backwards or you know kind of treading water. But it's kind of like you're also you're in the subjective place. You don't know that, but the, but the, the it's this almost immature looking of of way things are, and it is kind of it is mm -hmm. emblematic of the dogma that is present in a lot of issues with agorism. I think so. Yeah. So I mean, so taking it from there, right? From that yeah. from that point, we jump off, and now let's see. And then I believe after that, the uh, what's his name, Jeremiah Harding. So he yeah. wrote like a response to my initial part part which was entitled agorism is consistent libertarianism um a, a response where he kind of tries to take me for task and tries to take me to task i responded to that with a tweet thread and then he responded and oh like my piece was a thousand words his piece was like four thousand words so he wrote four <laughs> words to every one that i did um yeah i feel and, like his uh his his back and forth with you was not indicative of a healthy mind <laughs> you know what I, you know, but at the same time, like, I get it. You know, I can understand. Yeah. Like, in some respects, I was trying to get somebody like him to write something like this. Yeah. Right. Because it kind of proves my point. Um, <laughs> but like, he, he like, yeah, he tried. And basically what he's like, oh, well, no, but you don't understand. Like, there's all these things that 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 Konkin said. Yeah. And they are all really they all make a lot of a lot of sense. And I'm like, OK, but I don't think they do. Let me have ca carve hours and hours out of my life and thousands and thousands of words that no one will probably ever read just to fucking argue with you. Well, if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, because, you know, we all enjoy that. We all enjoy when people are talking about us. So, like, yeah. I did peep the tweet that he put out that said something about, like, how I just wrote an unnecessarily brutal response to somebody. And it, it wasn't, wasn't a brutal, brutal response because it wasn't a brutal response, not because it was super long. It wasn't a brutal response because he didn't respond to my arguments. Yeah. Like, because he didn't respond to my arguments. Like, he basically was like, no, 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 you don't. Like, okay, you don't understand. Because what so what I did at the beginning of my piece was I what I was I, I purposefully twisted Konkin's virtue of consistency, right? 
because I was trying to like, I'm trying to draw out this difference between being consistent and being dogmatic. And I said, the cons- being consistent is like the river being dogmatic is like the rock. The river wears away the rock. And it's, and it's, and I'm, what I'm doing there is purposefully turning consistency as Konkin would talk about it on its head. But I'm doing that by relying on the common understanding of what a consistent position is. Cause like I would yeah, say the way consistent... you did it, I actually agreed with, I actually thought that was yeah. a good point to be honest. With you. Yeah, like, ex- exactly. Cause a so lot of people like... read that and they think, Oh, well this means I must be dogmatic about these things. I was like, no, it just means you need to be consistent. You need to, you know, understand how, you know, if you're, there's a inconsistency, you need to make it consistent. It's like, you're not just going to force your dogma through, but go ahead. Yeah. Right. And so like, and so, but like, so that, that was a trap that I laid that, he fell very well into and just spent the whole time basically addressing that. Cause it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Konkin didn't want us to run for politics. I'm like, no, 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 I know. That's what I'm disagreeing with. That's the thing I don't like. So I have, I mean, so I did a 22 tweet thread because I didn't feel like writing another article. And I thought, you know, Twitter might be a better way of handling it. Um, and there was one part cause I was rereading some of it just for just, just in, you know, preparation for coming on your show. Um, Oh, here we go. So like, and here's a good example, because one thing that I talked about in my piece was basically saying like, hey, look, I get it if you don't want to run for office, but, you know, maybe maybe somebody guarding your flank in politics is a good idea while agorists are out there building the Agora, right? Like, like, you know, let me just let me just try and run with the idea as best I'm able, even even if I don't agree with all the conclusions. Um, And he said, uh, you know, it's like this guy, Jeremiah, characterized me as saying that my conclusion is that libertarians should do this by having somebody on the inside who has the back has their backs well great now we need a time machine to prove that those people won't betray us or never had the intention of being at our side to begin with and like and what i wrote because because he didn't quote from what i wrote he was responding to an argument in his mind not an argument i was making what i was saying is that my argument is that the like the government government actions over the last 20 months necessitate a reconfigure a re-examination of whether an anti-politics stance is worth it and by the way, like back in January, one of the reasons why I had you on my show is because I was like, ah, maybe it's time to back out of politics altogether. So it's not like it's not like my mind has been so clear. I've been I've been changing my percept my um my position as time goes on, and I and I take in information. Mm-hmm. So like so I I did that, and then he wrote like another three thousand words about what I did, and like kind of again like the what is um it's one of those things where it's like kind of to your point of like is it really is it really like, again, I, I, I'll, res- I'll revert back to the fact that I'm pretty sure he has more followers on me than Twitter for, sa- for saying why I feel justified in like, in, in keeping up a contention, a contentious exchange like this, which you guys can, you know, follow. I'm sure Jose will put out the link uh, to the tweet thread, which kind of has all the articles linked there. Um, and so like, you know, but like at one point he tries to catch me on dogma because like I said, dogma for the purposes of our conversation is something you take as being true, despite there being contrary evidence. And then he says, Dogma does not rely on rational categories. That's actually the opposite of what dogma does. Humorously, humorously enough, the Oxford definition for dogma, which Google in- uses, includes a sentence about rejecting political dogma. And what the definition for dogma is, a, a principle or set of principles laid down by an authority that is e- incontrivably true. And incontrivably means it can't be falsified, which means yeah. it's a strict rational category. So like... <laughs> it's it's like but you're trying so hard to disagree with me and i promise that i promise you you if you're going into my work and you're trying to find something to disagree with you're going to find it 
because intentionality matters. Your orientation in the world matters. If I'm looking, if I'm somebody who thinks, this, you know, this is like manifestation. This is prayer. This is like a basic hack of like human existence, right? We, we expect to find order in the world because our brains are trying to bring order to all this random sense data we're taking in. And so therefore we find order. Like, like if you walk into a conversation, like I walked in knowing that we were going to have a good conversation, didn't really matter what it was going to be about. I knew that we, I know we've, we've, we've done this enough times. So we have a good rapport. Like I didn't have to worry about it. Like I knew it was going to be a fun time. Right. If I walked into this conversation, I was like, you know what? Jose went to pee right at nine 30 when we said we were going to start recording. Like <laughs> if I had walked into the conversation like that and like had that attitude throughout it, like this wouldn't have been a nice talk. You know, you know what I mean? Like it, it couldn't have been a nice talk. And so, and, and so like, that's why I say like, you're going to just, you, you can disagree with me all you want. If you find, if you look for it, you're going to find it. I, in fact, try to, I'm trying, what I'm trying to do is have these people respond to me so that I can demonstrate what the opposite argument looks like. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I don't think it's compelling. And in fact, I've been hitting this, I've been hitting this issue of the moralizing framework pretty hard recently. And I think it's, yeah. And I think it's something libertarians need to abandon, N not because we're wrong. I do think that there, I do think libertarians are wrong in certain respects, not because it's wrong, but because it doesn't work. And, and why no should it? Shit about that. No, only in-group cares. Yeah, like. exactly. Because <laughs> like anyone else you're talking to doesn't have your set of morals. So they're going to be like, what? Like they have found some sort of way to conceive of. And yes, I mean, maybe you can make the moral argument, but you have to start from their position. You can't start from your position. Yes. You have to yeah. you have to show how they're within their moral framework they're wrong. That's the only way to move them. And you're it's not really your moral argument at that point. But uh I one thing while well, I'm still thinking of here's one of my major issues with agorists and I think it's also one of the major issues I have with atheists. It's the angry atheist dilemma. It's this I've mm -hmm. discovered this truth and ergo I'm going to be a cunt. And, 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 and that's, it really is. And that's with agorist atheists is the same thing. And it's like, here's this thing. And I want other people to think it as well, but I'm just going to alienate everyone like by being a dick about this truth that I found and they'll see it and they'll know. And then mm -hmm. after a while you realize, like, I don't know if you're some autist like us, you read uh, how to win friends and influence people or some shit. And then you realize like, Oh, I'm retarded. <laughs> like this is not how you win over people. Like no one right. likes this. No one likes mm -hmm. you like this. Like don't be this way. I remember like I used to vape and yeah. I had like the big mod like and I it was like from like 2012, I think is when I started. So like I was there through like all the basically I was up up until Jewel and I quit when Jewel, like a year or two after Jewels became really popular because I, you know, I needed to. Um and or wanted to as the case may be but like so my point though is i remember having a conversation with somebody like a friend that i had made in school and she was like you know i always thought that vapors were the biggest assholes in the world and i'm like you know and they're just blowing their vape in people's faces and, and like i i wasn't doing it at the time and it was kind of in response to that that i wasn't being like super obnoxious about it and he said i'm so like oh well that's interesting and so what i did was oh that's interesting why do you say that it's like Oh, well, my buddy Dylan, my buddy, my, I don't know if his name was Dylan, my buddy Dylan vapes. And he's just like, he's just like the most obnoxious person with it. Like he's just blowing clouds in the car. Like, you know, it's people's faces. Da, 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 da. I said, Oh, okay. Well, let me ask you a question. Was Dylan obnoxious before he started vaping? And it turns out the answer is yes. Right. And like, which is to say you, and this is under the paradox of identity as well, but like you would associate, you associate some things with 
like net, you have negative associations with something because somebody did something to you. And that person might be, that person might just be a jerk, irrespective of what he believes, right? Turns out you can just be a jerk. It doesn't matter whether you're libertarian or not, right? <laughs> as, as the case may be. And um, <clears throat> I think what you, what you just said hits on a formulation I have, which is like the secret knowledge fallacy, which is like, you know, I have this secret knowledge. If everybody knew, if only everybody would adopt my secret knowledge, the world would become a better place. So says my secret knowledge. And I think agorism and as a some of agorism and as a consequence, a lot of agorists suffer from that same thing. And that's this impetus. That's this impulse that says, well, we just need to we just need to ignore politics or we just need to you know, we just need to focus on the anti-politics stance because that's going to create the agora. Yeah. No, because politics exists. Politics exists in your workplace, let alone the government. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can. You and I know both those are different, but I get what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My <laughs> and and both the correlation is the the correlation is our degree with which we can fight for power. And as people yeah. from the libertarian tradition, you and I can both agree that generally speaking, voluntary arrangements are far preferable. But we can also, I think, agree that not everybody looks at it the same way. And so, as the case may be, the question is asked, well, what if we can kind of show people that? Because it's not the case that people are born as blank slates. It is the case that the progressives have been working for the last hundred years to get us to this point. And, yeah. you know, and we're at this we're at this crazy, fr crazy frickin juncture where apparently the police in England. Have you did you see the story that J.K. Rowling put out on Twitter? It caused a bit of a stir. Maybe. So like so like in, in England now. If you get arrested for rape and like and this <laughs> I have the words, but I won't say the words of what I think rapists deserve. Um, but like and, and I'm sure I'm sure as a father, you would agree. But it's like it's like apparently in England now, if you get arrested for rape and you tell the officers that you identify as a woman with no evidence, they will list you as a woman for booking and criminally speaking. That's where we're at. <laughs> and like, and on Pete's show, I was saying, you know, like, oh, you know, he, he was making some comments about like, oh, well, you know, we're getting some people are accusing us of being reactionary or, or something to that effect. And I was just like, hang on, can I stop you here? I think there's some things we need to be reacting to right now. Right. It's it's um this this impulse to just like this impulse to do nothing. I don't think I don't think again. I, I know it, it might be a little it might be a little esoteric way of saying things, but I don't think it serves the times that we're in, right? I think there's a time, as the Bible says, there is a time for all things. There's a time to yeah. reap and a time to sow. Yeah, there's a balance. I don't think you should be instinctually reactionary, but you do need to be adaptive to situations. Um, mm -hmm. I guess one thing, and I guess we've kind of touched this a little bit throughout this. The to I guess show maybe my difference in my framework uh, and like someone else's framework when it comes to like agorism. So I feel like a lot of agorists do have the zero and one things where I have kind of I have more of a spectrum type thinking where I guess like you like let's say for example me and you were talking and you were like wanting to be politically involved and you were like what should I do and I'm like well I think ideally you should you know do what I'm doing you know agorism etc blah 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 and you're like well I don't know I really think blah blah blah. Like if I'm able to get you to a point to where you're going to focus on local politics as opposed to, I don't know, fucking what would be something I'd put lesser? Honestly, like uh, the LP, to be honest, like if mm -hmm. I could get you to be to say like the federal on the federal level LP campaign or something like if I could convince you to be like actual local politics as opposed to that, 
I'm cool with that. And that's kind of how I see things. And I think having this kind of, I think, you know, being more agoristic and having those type of thoughts tend to move people away from uh, the one side of the spectrum. I don't want them to be on, I guess it's kind of the way I see it. Cause yeah. at least my framework, the way I see it, cause I, the more I can push someone that way, the better. And also I always do maintain this. I could be wrong thing because like that was the second prong of the angry atheist thing I was getting at is like when yeah. it comes to atheism or agorism or whatever, I feel like you get pat or even just identity. Like once you have this, you know, this, this hidden truth or whatever the fallacy, I forget the fallacy you used, but that was a good, good way to, to present it. But like, once you, like, I feel like once you get over that initial part, you get to a point where you realize like, well, I could be wrong. And like, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, I still think I'm right, but it's like, I could be wrong. And it, it's, I feel like it's a good thing to always have in your head. I'm sure you agree with me as a skeptic. So yeah. it's like, and so you got to be seated in this humbleness of like, well, if I'm wrong, what are my other orders of preferences or whatever? And so that's, I guess maybe that's why I look at things more along the spectrum. I'm not like, I don't, I, I don't think people should, you know, ideally, you know, be politically involved, but if they want to, you know, I don't think hey, most go, people go should fucking, either. Yeah. Uh, that's like, why I disagree you, with this. That's why I disagree with this LP strategy. Yeah. This is, I like, I think the P like the people who would maybe want to work with Mises GOP right now, like those, the type of people that Andrew's attracting, they are people who are going to do well in what they go out to do because it has actual consequence. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're going to say, I'm going to run for my local town and that's all I'm doing. That's how I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not tiptoeing with this, like, bureaucratic stuff where i'm trying to take over political apparatus of a party that doesn't have ballot access in 50 states um like and and to to run a national campaign which is why that matters um but like if it it, like that's it's a different kind of it's a different kind of personality that's attracted for that and and in in the essay that i wrote i talk about i think the divide politically speaking the people who don't want to participate in politics i completely support you please Go get married, have children, make good money, make sure that you're stable, you know, like make sure that the people in your life matter. Like those like these polit this politics stuff is fun, but like the last time you and I spoke, we talked about masculinity, right? And like just in this thing oh. that's very that's far more important to our existence than like abs than the, than like petty political squabbles, but it informs it informs good politics. Um I don't think most people should be involved in politics directly. Now, you know, maybe if you think it's worthwhile, maybe, you know, throw some throw some bucks over to the Mises GOP or the Mises or the LPMC, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Like if that's if that's what you should do. And, and that's probably what most people are going to always do. Right. The same thing, the same way in which like a show, it's it's the same. It's the same kind of principle. Right. We understand these as we understand this as, as market based thinkers. Um, but like but don't. But don't get don't think that just because that's the case for every for a lot of people that it's the case for everyone. Don't mm-hmm. don't misascribe that very basic zero to one binary thinking that our brains are all so capable of doing. Because again, kind of like comparing Pete Canonas to to Christopher Cantwell, it's just intellectually lazy. And that's mm-hmm. why and that's why all you can do, because here's the thing, it wasn't even over after that response to so the response to so the response. The guy Brandon wrote another article that I talk about where he, where he talks about that government is all slavery. And I have some kind of a response to that because I think there's an important mindset thing inside of that, um, that, that I'm looking forward to writing and exploring. Cause other people have brought this to me. If like, aren't we all just kind of slaves still? Um, but like what he said in that, cause you know, of course I read it. Um, but like what he said in that is that this is both the prequel and the sequel to my last article. 
And it's kind of like, all right, so what you're saying is you didn't do a good job the first time. Like, I feel I, like I've, I maybe made some like typos, but I feel very comfortable with what I said. And I've refined the ideas a little bit, but not, not much more than what I said in there. Right. Like what I've what the refinement that I've made is hit on this anti-politics thing, as opposed to talking about like voting per se being immoral. Same idea, just better refinement of the ideas, which is easier to understand because that's what you should do as a thinker. And as I don't know, man, this is things. getting to next levels ridiculous with the replies. So this is like, I don't know if you've ever watched, like you can even have someone like Dave Smith as a huge Twitter following. And if you ever follow like a thread where they're mm -hmm. interacting with someone, having a conversation, the further down you get, the less people there are. And you get to this point where there's like one person still following the conversation. <laughs> and we're like not far off from this here. because It's getting ridiculous. <laughs> and it's even worse because at least with Twitter, it's like, It'll be like 240 characters. Like, no, you guys are writing retardedly mm -hmm. large essays to each other. <laughs> no, well, see, that's the thing. Like, I'm not really interested in him anymore. But I, but there yeah. is like, but there is, there is something to this question of like, is it all slavery or not? Right. Yeah. We like we see we see this we see this on the left, which is you know a point we haven't brought up is how there's like a lot of times these people are arguing in a very leftist fashion, which is the which comes from the moralizing framework, I think. But like, you know, it's like there is this lingering question of like what constitutes slavery and do we live as slaves today? Have we always been slaves? Like, you know, Aristotle talks about slave. It's like, so, so I think there is, there is philosophical fruit inside of that. And that's what I'm going to go explore. The interesting stuff um, to the extent that I use agorists as a punching bag is, is more mostly for effect. Um, like I'm really, like I would go on a show with one of these guys, but like, not one, not one without a moderator, just, just because I don't think it would be a fruitful conversation. I, 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 Jeremiah has had me on his show when I wrote my don't be poor article where he admonished me and continued to admonish me that if I claim to be nominally Christian as I do, like I'm not practicing or anything, but I generally speaking, don't, I don't call myself an atheist. Um, like, you know, that, that, I, that, that plus making money makes me a bad person, right. Or that, that the accumulation of wealth power and influence is a bad thing it's a dangerous thing doesn't mean it's bad like it's it's risky doesn't mean it's bad it's yeah. um it, i i i think i think like if i have to leave the word libertarian behind that's fine but i what i'm interested yeah. in is finding people who are personally ambitious and to the and in a more specific sense of this word politically pragmatic and pragmatic doesn't mean that we're going to appease the regime Pra pragmatic means we look at the political system in front of us and we use it to our advantage. We don't we don't get hung up on principles because we understand that politics is a dirty game, right? So like, yeah. let the I mean, academic. I guess I guess I would if I get to a point like I guess for me I still and I, I'm not going to go too deep in it because we're already an hour twenty ish in. But it's like I I still see more merit in trying to you know break away as much as you can. But, uh, God, I forgot my whole fucking point, but, but, but you know what, but can it just, yeah. while, if, while you remember that is, you know, somebody like what's your name, Marjorie Taylor green, like yeah. she's talking about how conservatives need to build a parallel economy. So the American yeah. right is doing that right now, but, and like, but you know, maybe some of the people who are like leading that new face aren't the most sophisticated of, of operatives. Right. So it's like, so maybe we can get some more sophisticated operatives if we're as smart as we think we are as libertarians. Like maybe we can get some more sophisticated operatives actually helping these people to find freedom instead of the false yeah. freedom that instead of the false freedom that people and like you know you could say oh that's just politics and it's like yeah man but like what what else we got 
because because I agree with you again, you know, to yeah. the point, like I agree with building. I agree with the mutual aid. I agree with like community. Like, that's why I love that's why I dig the whole like tower gang thing. And I dig the whole like like the tower gang before it became the yeah. tower power hour. Right. Like I dig this whole I dig this whole like subculture, this whole community that exists around here because it is there is like a frivolity to it. And I've written like the in, in defense of um uh uh, in defense of offense, in, uh, in, in defense of irreverence, that was, I think that was the name of the article, but so it's like, so like, yeah, those things are, those things are cool too. And it's not, um, yeah. So, but people are just going to compare it to what happened before. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that, I know what I was gonna say. And my whole point was that I was getting to is if I do find myself at any point seeing more merit in being political than non-political, I will totally do that. So like, at, say there's some, I don't, I don't know, let's, I don't even know how to really, what a good situation would be, but say like they put, direct uh you know it's a direct vote uh you know in for removing income taxes or something like and and there's no way there could be fuckery about it then i'd be like Mm -hmm. i mean like but the problem is like my biggest argument is 99 times 999 times out of a thousand there's going to be fuckery afoot kind of like with like brexit or whatever where everyone was like (laughs) oh we'll just get out and now there's like oh wait 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 wait, wait. well what about this what about that Uh, (laughs) and it's this whole thing but now if there was some magical way they could be like no this is straight up just a vote and if this happens then this happens and if that happens then that happens then like Take take the income tax off. Yeah, fuck yeah, I'll vote right now. <laughs> like, I, I, but the problem is that's not how it works usually, and mm-hmm. so that's kind of where I'm coming from. It's just, but if I'm ever convinced that's not the case, or if there's a hypothetical situation in which it is like, oh shit, like this will actually, this is one of those rare situations that like mm-hmm. might work out in my occasion. Then sure, and I guess that maybe that's why I'm more at for local things because I think that might be more of a place where there may be one of those rare occasions. Well, there's well, the, more sprinkled the of those occasions where it can actually the, help out. The decentral the decentralist ethic is the common link between all of this, right? And where the uh and, and like where the um like like where the fellowship comes from is the decentralist ethic. And that's something that I've always shared. And and it was even even when I was even when I was doing more active organizing with the LPMC, I even said like I was getting ready to run in here, you know, in Illinois, I was getting to ready to run a platform that rejected the LP from running a governor's race. Cause I didn't see the need. I didn't see the point in it. And that was one of the first things where like everyone, anytime I brought that up, somebody who was in the, office was like, Oh, what are you talking about? It's like, they spend, you spend tens of thousands of dollars trying to get ballot access every single cycle. And, and like, and, and the, and the people lose <laughs> and they lose. And, and um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, and the question of, and the reason why third party, just to be, just to be succinct about it, it's like every, poli sci 101 it's poli sci 101 the winner take all system of the united states breeds a two-party system it's just a question of which party gets which party is going to get kicked out and mm. as the and and if and if there was a and if the lp was a viable third party that had like a robust infrastructure in all 50 states i'd be all for it but that's just not the case and and, and i, I, I you, do yeah. <laughs> sorry i do always hate uh not to get off on a side tangent is when people use the argument of well it has libertarian in the name of it and you even brought up that earlier but it's like, cause there's a flip side to that. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, but I feel like by very the very act of bringing that up kind of implies you're admitting it kind of sucks. Then be like, yeah. what? It's libertarian. I gotta make. I gotta, you know, it bears my name. You know, I gotta make it good. And it's like <laughs> well, you're kind of implying it sucks, and you're saying it has your name. Wouldn't the other flip side of that be like, 
well, do your best to get do not empower it in any way, shape, or form because it's this shit thing that has your name. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's like, oh, but I can make him better. Like, yeah, he's yeah, he's a drunk and he beats me every night, but I can make him better. It's like, listen, baby, break up with the LP. Come on, come on over here. Like, come over to the come yeah. over to the sense making side of things. Like, I'll take. Like, I'll I always right. find myself debating in my head which I prefer, what? the LPMC or the previous regime. Because don't get me wrong, I love the entire LPMC. I love all the people. I've talked to fucking Heist before. He's fucking great. Most of my homies are in the LPMC. But then it's like part of me is like. They were kind of like slinking into irrelevancy more and more. So it's kind of like, is that better? I, like, as I'm kind of like, an irrelevant LP to me is kind of good. Because the more irrelevant the party is, the more people associate it with the philosophy and not so much the party. So I'm yep. like, I don't know which I prefer. And that's kind of my mm -hmm. whole point that I bring up a lot of times is that like, okay, cool. You might have this principled push, but when do you guys die out? And when does the, when do the old, old hat come back in? And now all you've done is make these old hat pieces of shit and give them a large, larger platform. When these old hats sucked at what they were doing and they were already becoming irrelevant. So, like, or is the irrelevance part of the thing? That's, yeah. I think that's this. So that's why, I talk, I talk about the divide as being between those who want to make political statements and those who want to take political power. I don't think we live in a time for political statements. Or, mm. or better said, I don't, think that, I don't think that we should pretend making political statements is just important as taking political power in the, context of, in the context of operating within a political party. You and I making political statements on a podcast are completely germane, right? And in fact, we should be doing that and we should be we should be putting our focus not on other libertarians, but on the, like the, you know, the assholes in Washington and the various States that we live in, except for you, you know, you got DeSantis. So that's pretty cool. But like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it, so like my point, my point there though, is that what I, what I say in my essay is that l making, make having a political statement be your highest order of political action is, is in effect masturbatory because what you're doing is your create you're you're put, you're making a political statement for libertarians so that libertarians can make better political statements, right? So it's like libertarians helping libertarians be better libertarians. That's what you're accomplishing. What I the difference between that and power, and at least in my formulation, just really comes down to the idea of I would put it as taking the taking responsibility. Like it's like it. Don't get me wrong. It's it's something that scares me too. And like I live in Illinois, I'm not moving anytime soon, but we don't know what the future holds. Um, but like I'm in Illinois, so like I'm not really gonna run for office where I live right now. Maybe if I move back to my hometown, I would because it's far more red, you know. But like, but I'll help people. But like I'm in a position to help people, and I and you know, like, and that's kind of my path. Like I'm not like I support the whole like thousand Liechtenstein thing, Hoppe's model of like trying to take over local cities. Um, I like to, I like, I've said this recently, but like, I'm kind of like a nomad who's looking for roots because I've spent, and, and like, I've spent my whole life moving around. I travel for, like, I'm in a hotel right now recording this. Like, I travel for work a lot. Like, it's so, so my point being, like, I, my path is a little more like the nomad, like, make sure I have enough money and I got a lot of skills so that I can be employable in different areas and so on and so forth. I'm not necessarily, my personal path is not necessarily building a local reputation for now. 
like I like I said, I'm looking for roots, you know, and and like as soon as I can find a place that I want to settle down, or like better said, maybe a person with which I want to settle down, like I'm sure I will find those roots and like be more involved in the community as a consequence. But you know, right now I'm right now I'm something of a rolling stone. And like, but that's but like loose cosmopolitan. <laughs> dude, I, I'm not gonna lie, before I realized that that was a slur, I'm like, I think I'm gonna put that in my bio. That sounds awesome. <laughs> like I identify what? with that, and like, and I'm not Jewish. I don't get why all these Nazis are bugging me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so man, I mean, I've suddenly, suddenly, finally, I've ticked off the, I've ticked off the race essentialists. Well, like, that ticked off. They, they would be, they'd be really friendly to you. Like this guy's one of us. <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy's it's, got uh, a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I was like, no, no, no. I just, I, I just, I just thought it was cool. Like, um, uh, yeah, well, whatever. Like, you know, but like, so that's, but that's, that's what I make the divide as being. And I think, and I think it's, I think it's a useful frame because there, because I think if you realize what you're trying to do is make a political statement, you approach the conversation differently. Right. And whereas, and so we can kind of understand which we, we can understand which strategy is more serious just by saying it. Right. Like, like clearly there's more, there's more at stake. If you're going to say, I'm going to help this town get better then I'm just going to say my opinions as a writer, right? Like we call it the peanut gallery. I'm not like, I think you and I, but like you said, like the whole, the whole, like be humble thing. Like I could always be wrong. The epistemic humility is like, yeah, I know that I'm also just kind of a talking head on the internet right now. You, you know what I mean? So like, I, I recognize those flaws. That's why I'm not even flaws. I recognize those limits of where I am currently. And that's why I'm looking for, I'm looking for the next steps. Um, I, you know, and we'll see where it goes. I think it, you know, that's why like people like people ask like, oh, what's what's the future? I don't know what the future's like. Just how do you make yourself better? Focus on that. You yeah. focus on how to make yourself better. The future turns out. It turns out if you focus on making yourself better, it turns out if you clean your room, your your future tends to get a little bit better. Yeah. yeah. If you just keep on keeping on, I've just been plugging away like an idiot. And somehow I've had Dave Smith on twice and I make like a 100 bucks a month now. So if you guys keep it up like me. <laughs> That's awesome though, dude. I love it. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, and you know, maybe if you see if Dave wants to read my essay, he'll see that we're not all evil people. Um, you know, but you know, yeah. it's all cool. It's cool. Uh, but, I think but, you're I mean, on a good trajectory I, though. Like I was saying earlier, I, I do think, uh, I like I said, trips. like you, you, you're low and you're low and slow. I think it, like you're, you're grading, building up this, this great body of work, but not vying for attention. It's kind of like the, it's the low time preference approach. And I think it does pays dividends in the long run. Whereas, you know, so, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited you. to see where you go. So I, I, th I thank like, you for that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of us saying in this space for a while that like LB, LB. And then like, we we're just waiting to, and boom, you hit pizza, you hit Mark show. It, like, <laughs> like, all right, you know, we, we've been saying it. So yeah. And yeah. you know, and I'm, and I'm very happy for the people who are coming along for the ride. And I did say what I did say on Mark's show, <clears throat> cause he pointed it out. It's like, like a lot of people, cause he said like a lot of people started podcasting cause they weren't working last year and like i started be and i was still working all the time like it's it, so this is um like i'm still working right now like even before right before we went on i was like oh crap i forgot to send an email and so like before right before we started recording i was sending an email for work and like i so like i don't like i refer to my job as like my main hustle because like framework wise i don't want to think of it as like my day job um that's mm. my main hustle that's what's that's what's afforded me the luxury of being able to like afford the nice recording equipment I have and, you know, and, and a bunch of, and a bunch of other things. So it's like, 
it, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not, I, you know, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I didn't crave attention. Um, but, um, you know, it's, I, I do this, I do this because I have things to say and mm. my hope is that that will be enough for people eventually. Yeah, and I think and that, that, that yeah. kind of mentality pays off because people, mm. people, I, I, people always like make like grifter accusations or whatever. I actually think being a genuine, honest person doing what they want to do or having the conversations they find interesting over time pays off and it gets you that. So the, the, uh, the, the paradox of the grifting is the more you, the harder you try to attain it, the less likely you're going to attain it, if that makes sense. So if you yeah. just keep on keeping on, I think that's kind of what gets you there. Whereas if you're so focused on those things, you 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 kind of just it fucks it all up and and that's what i think what people are talking about when they talk about grifters or whatever like people who are just like i don't know very cringe overdoing it pushing it but there is like a if you go low and slow i think and if you're kind of staying true to yourself you know i think that pays off in the long run so and uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to see where you go i think we're at a good spot we're almost an hour 40 so we probably ought to kill it uh, I don't think we, t I think we touched like one of my, uh, uh, like spots in my notes, but you know what? That's, I guess that's a sign of a good conversation. We, uh, went out yeah, 40 minutes well, I guess, I guess barely we'll followed, the does. <laughs> we barely followed, like I could do this again and actually hit the topics that we'd probably do another what, two hours. What, can I ask like, what was, what was, do a lightning round. Give me the questions. I'll answer oh shit, quick, man. We're going to be here. No, no, no. I was literally, I just had a structure of like the way oh, okay. I structured it. I had a little outline and I structured it like. I was going to go over every one of your topics, but then we just kind of mm. briefly kind of jumped around all over the place, hit yeah, on yeah, different yeah. shit, but whatever. That's fine. I'm fine with that. It's just, uh, it's good. This is how, this is how, well, this is my process. I come with a structure and if the structure goes to shit, as long as I have a structure to fall back on just in case, that's all I care about. But this is yeah. kind of a sign of a good conversation is your, if your structure served no purpose, you're like, well, it'd be, it's good. I had that like safety net in case like I, you know, but you know, we, we kind of vaguely hit on the topics I want to hit on while not really actually hitting on the specific topics I want to hit on. So I'm <laughs> fine with that. Um, but yeah, we're an hour 40. Uh, we'll definitely have to do this some other time. I do want to really quick point out my biggest critique. Mm -hmm. and like I hesitated to bring it up because I just want to, this is my biggest critique of agorism is that uh, Konkin labeled it left libertarianism. Oh the God. I so I wasn't even wrong by saying it was leftist. No, well it's, not leftist by modern terms, although the problem is by labeling itself as left libertarian, it kind of is because that's that's mm -hmm. the quandary here. It labeled itself as left libertarian because Konkin was using a different uh, different uh, dichotomy than what's typically used today. He wasn't using like the egalitarian uh, fucking uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? The egalitarian chaos. Uh, not chaos, but uh, egalitarian. God damn it! What not uh, not or inequality? Whatever, uh, but. You guys know what I mean. That the typical like leftist, what we're thinking of. Um, oh, you're uh, egalitarian versus hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, is there that, you go. Is that what so, you were going for? Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, but he wasn't. He wasn't going that route. Like, um, he he actually based his thinking in uh, fucking like Austrian economics. But he labeled mm -hmm. it left libertarian because he was meaning in the sense of left meaning not utilizing the state. That's what he meant. Like, because left mm -hmm. is typically associated with anarchy, so that's what he was yeah. getting at. And then, mm -hmm. the, but right was the using the political power, whether that they can, these people consider themselves anarchists or not was beside the point. Those are just people utilizing a political power. That's how he did it. Mm -hmm. But the problem becomes he labeled it left libertarianism. And by modern standards, people say, oh, left libertarianism. It's in the book. He, he goes multiple times, the new left, like he has a whole table label for his movement, everything. And I think what that did 
it drew in the left. <laughs> mm, sure. And they have yeah. kind of transformed it. Whereas I am very much of the right. I just mm-hmm. also believe, like agree with basically mo- most of what Kongan said. So yeah. I, I think a lot of what we see of aggressive day is very much skewed by the left because the, how philo- we like to think people like read certain ph- philosophers say people like say with objectivism or whatever they read Ayn Rand's books and become objectivists. But there is a probably good portion that don't really read it or maybe only read a little bit or only listen yep. to the audiobook once half heartedly or you know kind of read an article and now I'm this. And that's kind of I think very much an issue in agorism as well. It's not not like there's this membership that you're like once you can prove pass the test you know you're an agorist now son like it's mm-hmm. so I think a lot of people kind of get drawn in from the left. Uh, I always use the uh, example of like kind of as a joke that if I had a kid and his entire life I was like hey you little homo and like just like every day of his life there's a good chance he might end up being gay and that doesn't even like bash against gays it's almost like this reinforcing thing where if you like yeah. kept putting this thought in someone's mind you kind of almost make it true mm-hmm. and i think yeah. there's something to that with labeling itself as left libertarian is it kind of sort of became left libertarian um yeah. so i know a lot of people blame uh, agorism as having an egalitarian school of thought and it's like sort of but not really it takes the position there will always be uh in inequality but it will be lessened by uh fucking you know and that's actually what a lot of anarchists make like i'm sure rothbard probably at some point has made the same exact point that like you know in anarchism you know you have a less of a uh, disparity but there's still always going to be elites and stuff there's going to be a difference so to the point rothbard who was a brilliant academic and a brilliant mind spent some of his time trying to appeal to the left and spent later years appealing to the right so it's you know this this goes this goes again to the point of there being a time for all things and i think the honest thinker just to just to turn the screws on the agorist one last time before we get out of here you know the honest thinker uses consistency not as a cudgel with which to browbeat his opponents into into moralistic submission but you know his consistency is about challenging their own preconceptions and making sure that they're understanding the world better for the people who spend their heart who their precious time reading what they have to write yeah. Well, all right. With that, let's drop your plugs. We're going to be here and we're going to get sucked into another conversation and keep going. So uh, if you want to go <laughs> well, ahead and drop I, your plugs. <laughs> I am the minds behind the Been Awake Project for Better Sense Making. You can go to beenawake.com. Please, please subscribe with your email address. You can download my essay at postlibertarianmoment.com and subscribe with your email address there if you prefer. And of course, you can find me on all social media at the LB Muniz. All right, and this is uh this has been uh, the No Way Jose show. I'm on YouTube. I'm on all the major audio podcatchers. I'm on Odyssey. If you like to follow me on Twitter at 2020 No Way Jose, I'm rebuilding from my larger account before because I got nuked. Uh, like I said earlier, you can support me at patreoncom just No Way Jose 2020. Like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good shit. With that, we are out. Thank you. This has been fun. We could have done another two hours, but I got shit to do. <laughs> Appreciate you coming along. So. Of course. And